We are live. Welcome into the Fantasy Kingdom show. This is going to be my first podcast that's going to be coming out after I edit it down. And this is going to be my first uh, show stream that I do. So uh, I'm excited. Let's uh, let's go ahead and get straight to the business. If you stick around to the end, I'm going to go ahead and just talk a little bit about myself. Uh, but I am the, I will be your host, uh, Justin. You can find me on Twitter at Joins underscore FF. Uh, you can also find me at TikTok under the same name. Uh, and let's go ahead and dive right in. I'm going to go ahead. Let's start off with a recap of uh, the absolute walloping that the Buffalo Bills went ahead and put on the Super Bowl champion Rams. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and try and hit the the high points here. We all, I'm sure we all watched the game last night. We've poured over the box scores. We have poured over the highlights. We poured over absolutely everything. So let's just go ahead and hit the high points. And let's see if there's anything actionable that we can do or if we're just going to sit back, enjoy, and wait. Uh, first off, Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs, fucking god mode last night. Uh, Allen picking up right where he left off in the playoffs, just chucking touchdowns down the field, flicking the ball all around, zipping it into tight uh, tight spots to, to uh, Diggs and, and Davis and Crowder and McKenzie. Um absolutely nothing to worry about there the man is going to be a monster and will pay off the high draft capital that he cost um digs another guy well worth the draft capital just an absolute monster of a game uh over 10 catches over 100 yards and a touchdown just absolutely manhandling jalen ramsey out there two absolute studs gonna carry you through the rest of your year uh, Gabe Davis, this was a very like typical Gabe Davis game that I expect we will see on and off throughout the season. Uh, not that many targets, not that many catches, but just two big monster plays, and that's exactly what you drafted him for. That's why he wasn't uh, one of the top 15 wide receivers coming off the board. That's why he was falling down draft boards later in the season is because he's not going to be the most consistent guy. He will give you these big splash games, and you're going to have to start him if you want him, so... It's just the name of the game here. Um, taking a look at the running backs on the Bills, it was a little bit interesting to see how the backfield shook out in this game. Singletary get, like dominated the first half. He's seeing almost all the touches. Uh, he's getting all the carries. Not so much in the passing game. I think he had like two targets for two catches. Uh, but it was promising to see him out there with the first uh, the first team and just kind of like getting the bulk of the carries. He didn't really do too, too much in the game, but uh, he looked good, and if the Bills do decide to ever stop running Josh Allen 10 times a game and do decide to try and keep him a little bit healthy throughout the season, uh, I think Singletary, as the year goes on, is going to get more and more work, and it's going to be more and more uh, of a reliable uh, RB2 for you and anyone that went 0RB. Um, <clears throat> the disaster that was James Cook coming in, one carry, literally can't even make it like more than like five seconds into the game and he's getting the ball punched out immediately uh he got to put in the doghouse right away so uh he's someone that if you did draft him uh I would not be feeling great right now I would go ahead and if if there's options out there I would even say go ahead and cut him and try and find a, a replacement because uh in his absence Zach Moss also came in and was just commanding targets left and right uh looked like a giant slow lumbering tree out there but uh, I mean six catches on six targets on these dump offs and he was working in with Singletary as well and we literally did not see James Cook for the rest of the game uh he was one and done out there 
Um, if you need Zach Moss, could be a desperation play. If you're really scrapping away at the at the running back position, feel free to go ahead and grab him. Uh, he did burn everyone last season, but, you know, new season might be something better here. Uh, in terms of the wide receivers, there's not really a clear-cut number three, it looks like, uh, between Crowder, McKenzie, or Knox in this passing game. They all kind of had good plays, bad plays, not a lot of targets, really. Uh, so it, it just seems like it's going to change every single week, so I'm really not trying to pick one of these guys. Uh, it, it just becomes a guessing game, and I'm, I'm perfectly fine just going with my Diggs, my Davis, my Josh Allens, and calling it a day with the, uh, with the Bills. Um, moving on to the real story of the night and the actual like panic of the fantasy football season. Game one, week one, here we are. The wheels are falling off already. The Los Angeles Rams looked bad. Uh, the offensive line could not protect Stafford. Uh, Stafford's making, trying to make those big plays, and I mean, it might have just been the Buffalo Bills defense, but uh, it, it just didn't look like good decision making. It looked like he was trying to force a lot of things. Uh, he had balls thrown a little bit high, coming off a receiver's hands right into the safety. Uh, I don't think that he's dealing with the elbow issue. I mean, there might be some discomfort and it might start to wear and tear later on in the season, but it didn't look like throwing-wise he, he was having any issues. Uh, I think it was just a product of the offensive line not protecting him at all uh, and him trying to make something happen as they go down big. Um, he, Stafford will probably have to get it out quicker, which only benefits, in my opinion, Cooper Cup who is looking like, once again, he is going to be the wide receiver one in the entire NFL. Uh, he is just, I mean, 15 targets, 13 catches, 128 yards, and a touchdown. He's picking up right where he left off. Uh, him and Diggs were having a beautiful wide receiver battle out there. I mean, at, back and forth every night, like all night, like the guys are just making big catch after big catch. Uh, I mean, there was that one, there was one point where Cup literally ran through six, seven guys, so absolutely nothing to worry about there. Uh, the real concern here, there's two main points of concern here uh, for the Rams offense, and that is going to be the running back situation. Uh, if you drafted Cam Akers, uh, go ahead and hit that panic button. I can tell you that he is my RB2 in one of my leagues, and I am full-blown tilt right now. I just... I don't even know it. Like I'm just trying to see how the rest of my my bench and my uh, my long shot running backs are backs are gonna shake out before I start like fully panicking. But it, it, it's a large amount of concern for Acres, who saw three carries and got zero yards. Uh, on his three carries, the Bills defense was literally in the backfield immediately. Couldn't had zero room to work with regardless. Uh, so in lieu of that, uh, Daryl Henderson, meanwhile, looked like a full blown bell cow out there uh wasn't wildly efficient wasn't wildly productive but he was out there for over 80 percent of the snaps he was getting all of the touches all of the carries all of the targets he was out there from the entire first quarter acres didn't even see the field into the second quarter so uh what that's telling me is either acres isn't fully back from his achilles which is a little weird seeing as how he was heavily used in the playoffs last uh at the end of last year so Something seems a little bit off there. I feel like it's more of Akers, that soft tissue injury, the hamstring injury that he was dealing with towards the end of camp. I think that that's kind of the issue of what's still bothering him right now. And Henderson is going to be able to take full advantage of that as long as he is able to remain healthy himself. Um, Kyron Williams going down as soon as he got in the game. 
pretty much locks up a bell cow role for Daryl Henderson until Akers is fully healthy, which coming off an Achilles, coming off a, a soft tissue injury, like who knows when that could be. It could be week three, four. It could be week 12, 13. We just don't know what the timetable is right now for Akers until we get more information. So in the meantime, if you drafted Henderson, congratulations, good job. Uh, keep riding that train all the way. Like I, until the Rams show you that you should not be playing Henderson, continue to just go ahead and plug him into your RB two slot, plug him into your flex, wherever you got to plug him in on, on your fantasy lineup. Keep racking in those points. Uh, overall, I don't think that the Rams are going to be this bad every game. I think the Bills were amped up. They were coming in. They had a lot to prove. Uh, wanted to go ahead and lay the smackdown on the Super Bowl champs and prove that hey. If it was us instead of the Bengals in there, we're going to go ahead and beat you down. Um, so I do think that had a little bit of a factor to it, and that offensive line really needs to figure it out for uh, the Rams' offense to be productive in any way, shape, or form. Uh, they get next week against Atlanta to go ahead and try and right that ship. So I say let's not completely freak out unless you're a Cam Akers owner or an Allen Robinson owner. And if you're one of those two, it's okay to have a little bit of a freak out. Um, that is another point of panic is Allen Robinson. Two targets on the night, one of which was just a fourth down. Stafford had nowhere to go with it. It's just chucking up a contested ball, praying that Robinson come, can come down with it. Literally glued glued on quarter cornerback, no shot at coming down with it. So that was just a little bit of a rough one. Um, and in the meantime, Robinson gets two targets. Tyler Higby is out there, and he's getting 11 targets. He had some drops. He had some uh, some shorter some shorter yardage catches. But if he's out there uh, and you're streaming tight end right now, go pick him up immediately. I mean, 11 targets is, is, is not sustainable, I don't think, throughout the year. Obviously, as the offense gets more of, like acquainted with each other. But I mean, eleven targets is eleven targets. That's something that's a very uh, that's a very high point, and that's something that you go ahead and you just you follow you follow the targets, you follow the the routes run uh, at the tight end position. Um, Allen Robinson, I, I I would have a little bit of panic just because we have seen it for the past season and a half now, where it's just he hasn't been the Allen Robinson that we know. Whether it's effort, whether it's health, whatever it is, he, he's just not the same. So again. I'm expecting the Rams to right the ship to some extent, um, and we'll see if they're able to go ahead and do that in Atlanta next week. Uh, so that was a Thursday night game. Uh, so glad that football's back. I'm so ready for it. Just excited all around. Um, and for this first episode here, uh, what I want to do is kind of go matchup by matchup and give just one player or one situation per team very quickly uh, that I'm looking out for this weekend. Uh, to kind of just try and stay ahead of the other teams in my league where it might not be someone that is going to break out this week or next week, but it's someone where they're starting to go ahead and set the table for a breakout. You see a wide receiver start to get more routes run, uh, start to go ahead and be on the field more. Uh, if it's a fourth or a third wide receiver, maybe they're getting in three wide receiver sets more. The team is starting to kind of open up the offense into more pass heavy. Uh, these are all things that I'm just going to be looking out for uh, when it comes to running backs. Obviously, just any type of usage and particularly where that usage is. Uh, I want to see if a player is being used in the red zone, if they're being used in the hurry up, two-minute offense, three-minute offense, four-minute offense, anything of that. 
that's kind of what I'm looking for with these running backs. Uh, so let's go ahead and jump right in. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and do the most exciting games first, and then we'll go ahead and go through and just kind of go down the list. And like I said, I'm going to go team by team, one player, one situation we're looking out for uh, to just kind of help you stay ahead of the curve and keep an eye out on the waiver wire if you see any of these guys, if you have uh, an injury and you have an open uh, open slot because you move someone to your IR, or if you're just you you got that churnable portion of your roster that you're just looking for the next guy uh, that is potentially going to be the next man up on his team. Uh, first up, we're going to go ahead and go with the Arizona Cardinals and the Kansas City Chiefs. Going to be an absolutely explosive game. Cannot wait for this. Fantasy points will be scored out the wazoo. Uh, so for Arizona, I'm looking at Eno Benjamin. Uh, James Conner, yes, he was a bell cow uh, last season when Chase Edmonds went down. Uh, they could have used Eno a little bit more, but I don't think that's going to be every single game this year. They can, that's not sustainable. They know that Connor has had injuries in his past. So I think with that Chase Edmonds role and an offseason for Eno to really learn that role, I think he's going to go ahead and step right in. He might not get the same amount of work as Chase Edmonds right away, but I think he's going to go ahead and prove himself. Benjamin in college, he uh, was able. He was a good pass catcher. He showed that he was a more than capable receiver. He had back-to-back seasons with at least 35 receptions in them. Um, and this is a great game for him to go ahead and show us whether or not he is going to be in that Chase Edmonds role this year. Uh, it's a 54, uh, 53 and a half, depending on what site you're using, over, under. Uh, so there are going to be points scored everywhere. Uh, the implied point total for the Cardinals is a 24.5. So, I mean, that's three touchdowns and a, and a field goal right there. So... There's going to be opportunity to score. Uh, Arizona's offense is pretty depleted right now. No Rondale Moore, Zach Ertz, maybe on a snap uh, snap count. Um, so Eno is going to have a shot if he truly is stepping into that Edmonds role to catch a lot of passes. Um, I want to see how often he is on the field running routes. Uh, and that four, four to two minute drill that Arizona is going to run, I want to see how heavily involved he is there. Uh, if he's getting those routes run, if he's getting the targets, that's just going to be perfect. It's setting him up. Go ahead and snag him. On the Kansas City side, uh, I'm going to go ahead and be looking at a couple of situations here, actually. Uh, Isaiah Pacheco is the first one. I want to see 100%. Is he used in the passing game? Is he the change of pace back? Is he the red zone back? Like, There's just so many questions about how this backfield is going to shake out. So he's going to be the one that I'm going to keep it closest, the closest eye on. Uh, and just kind of see whether or not he is going to be that diamond in the rough uh, for fantasy managers this season. Uh, the other thing that I'm going to be taking a look at is the wide receiver group. Uh, I want to see who's going to be shaken out as the number two uh, behind Kelsey this season. Mahomes has come out and said uh, recently that it's going to be changing week to week. Uh, it's going to be more, he's going to be spreading the ball around. He's not going to be so locked in like he was seasons past where it's Hill, Kelsey, Kelsey, Hill. It's going to have to be Kelsey, maybe Juju one week, Kelsey, maybe McColl one week, but I still kind of want to see who it's going to be in week one. And if it's one of the uh, the lesser rostered guys, I'm going to want to go ahead and just kind of uh, see what they are in week two. I won't probably, I probably won't be starting them week two, but I still just want to like snag them early uh, because that is a very valuable uh, fantasy asset to have on your team is going to be that number two in the Patrick Mahomes offense. 
Um, moving on to the next game, we got the LA Chargers uh, versus the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, another high, expected high-scoring game coming in at a 52 uh, over-under. Uh, and for the Chargers, I we, we all know Keenan, we all know Eckler, we all know Mike Williams, but I still think that there's going to be enough to go around this season for one more player, and uh, I think that we should keep an eye on Gerald Everett. Uh, he is a very physical, uh, big, fast, strong uh, tight end. He's not really used in line too much. He's more of like a move tight end, but uh, I mean, he's got 88th percentile, 40-yard uh, dash, a 94th percentile burst score. So he has the metrics that you want to see from a, a tight end uh, that is looking to, to make a, uh, a breakout step. Uh, and as J.J. Zacharyson has been just nonstop hammering into this offseason, breakout t- late-round breakout tight ends come from a team with a top-five quarterback. That's exactly what Justin Herbert is. This team is going to be passing like crazy. And outside of Mike Williams, they don't really have that big body for the red zone presence. Uh, they got a lot of tacticians in Keenan and Eckler who can kind of find space and wiggle their way into the end zone. But if they're looking for that big body to just kind of post up and get a, get like a jump ball to, I think Everett can go ahead and be that guy. Um, it's He hasn't been able to really piece together more of a 15% target share in his career, but Jared Cook last season was number nine in routes run and number four in slots from er, in snaps from the slot. So if anything, he's going to be running a lot of routes. He has every opportunity to go ahead and distinguish himself and earn those targets from Justin Herbert and hopefully capture at least a 15%, if not more, uh, of a target share this season. Uh, looking for from the Raiders, uh, I feel like the receiving game is fairly straightforward. I mean, we know it's Adams, it's Renfro, it's Waller. Outside of that, no thank you. Uh, What I'm really looking at is this backfield, and Amir Abdullah in particular. Uh, This is going to be a high-scoring game, it's going to be a shootout game, so there might not be a lot of opportunity uh, for the Raiders to really be running. I don't expect them to be holding a lead for very long. Uh, So while if they are playing from behind, they're going to be playing catch-up, and that is a very... uh, pass heavy option and I just don't think that they want Josh Jacobs to be their pass catching option uh it's already been talked about in the offseason and in the preseason Amir Abdullah is the pass catching option uh Abdullah last season as a part-time player uh had almost nearly as many targets as Josh Jacobs did and he was more efficient with those targets uh posting a 6.4 or I'm sorry a 7.6 yards per reception compared to Jacobs 6.4 uh this game will be will kind of determine what Abdullah's role is going to look like. Uh, if we go out there and we see Jacobs getting six, seven targets and Abdullah getting maybe two or three, we can go ahead and say, that's done. We don't need to worry about it. Move on. Jacobs is the guy there for now. Uh, and we, we can revisit any other time. Moving right along, we're going to go to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, another high-scoring game should be a good back-and-forth game. Tampa's only favored by 2.5 points. Uh, and on the Tampa side, I am looking again at the backfield. Rashad White is a really interesting guy. Uh, he is, we are. We already know Leonard Fournette was in the doghouse uh, coming into camp, looking overweight as he usually does, uh, doesn't seem to really be worried about his conditioning, and the coaches just weren't happy about it. Uh he gets the big contract and just seems to not care. Might have been what got him a shootout in 
uh, in Jacksonville, which led him to Tampa, which reignited the fire, but the fire might have died out again. Uh, so if that is the case, and Lenny just doesn't have the, the dog in him anymore, Rashad White is the next guy up. He's already going leapfrog uh, Keyshawn Vaughn for that number two spot, and he could even start to eat into the passing game uh, work early in the season. Uh, White, yet another Arizona State running back that I love to, uh, to watch this year, uh, has a three-down back skill set. So if anything does happen to Fournette, uh, he can go ahead and step right in and just provide, I mean, I, I would even go as far to say top 10, top 15 upside uh, at the position. Um, he's best comparable on playerprofiler.com to David Johnson, and that is a good thing because David Johnson was an absolute monster for fantasy until he got hurt. So we're saying we get a young, healthy version of David Johnson. I'm excited about that. Um while I don't expect White to just pass Fournette on merit alone, it, it is something where you have to be you, you have to be aware and see if he is starting to eat into portions of Fournette's game. Uh, if he does start getting some passing down work, uh, maybe even some, some red zone work, maybe they start bringing in two, the both of them at the same time. Who knows? Uh, what I do know is Tom Brady's offensive line has been deteriorating this offseason, so he will have to pass it and pass it quickly. So I think that favors the running backs, whether it be Fournette or Rashad White. So keep an eye on White if he's getting those routes. Moving to the uh, Dallas Cowboys, we're looking at the wide receivers out of CD, outside of CeeDee Lamb. We know Lamb's going to eat. We know he's going to be Dak's favorite target. Uh, and we know Schultz has his role. And outside of that, it who knows? Uh, Tony Pollard taking, uh, might be taking, excuse me, Tony Pollard might be taking snaps outside. Uh outside at the wide receiver position, it, it's really like there was nobody that stepped up in camp in preseason to really come out and, and claim the spot. Uh, Jalen Tolbert is probably the most in, intriguing and the fantasy community has really been in on him lately, uh, but he did have a quiet camp, uh, so it, it is difficult to call him the front runner right now. Uh, he is a solid producer, a great tactician uh, of a wide receiver coming out of college, but he did... Uh, play for a smaller school, so it might take him some more time to go ahead and adjust to the speed and just the physicality of the NFL. Uh, another guy who is interesting is Noah Brown. Uh, he is an incumbent uh, to the team, but he is just coming off of an injury, so it's another guy that's hard to trust. And last on the list is going to be Simi Fahoko, who is an interesting guy because he is a big dude, super big, super athletic, uh, it's exciting if he can go ahead and piece all of it, all of the game together to go ahead and complement that physicality. Uh, I just don't think that there's any consistent value right now, so I, I would say avoid those three wide receivers until we get some clarity from week one, uh, maybe even a couple of weeks where we're just able to see who's running the routes, who's in there on two wide receiver sets, three wide receiver sets, who's in there for certain situations. It's just you got to keep an eye on that uh, to really make a move. Uh, we're going to go ahead and move right along. We are taking a look at the Philadelphia Eagles versus my team, the Detroit Lions. Yes, I am a Lions fan. It is sad. But we're on the turnaround. Uh, first, we're going to actually take a look at the Eagles, though. I'm looking at both Kenny Gainwell and Boston Scott. Uh, another backfield where I just want to see who's used in what situations. Um, Miles Sanders, we all know the stat. Zero touchdowns last season. Zero touchdowns. 
and it seems fluky, but he also just wasn't used in the red zone. He wasn't used at the goal line. They were constantly bringing in Boston Scott. They were constantly bringing in Kenny Gainwell, who was a smaller back, but I mean, when you got to trust a guy who's just going to fight to get in that end zone, it just seems clear that Miles Sanders wasn't that guy. Uh, so I want to see who's going to be getting those high-value touches uh, because we know Gainwell has the receiving capability. We know that he is the guy that they're kind of favoring in that pass-catching role. Uh, so if he can also get red zone work, that is an absolute smash. Gainwell is going to be a monster this season. And if it's Boston Scott, I think he has some streaming possibility uh, with some touchdown upside. Could be a very Legarrett Le- Blunt type season where he's getting double-digit touchdowns, but not a lot else to kind of complement it. Uh, and of course, if Miles Sanders does get hurt or Kenny Gainwell does get hurt, it really kind of just opens the game up for uh, Boston Scott, who can step into either one of those roles and kind of provide a compliment to both Miles Sanders and Kenny Gainwell. So for now, three-headed monster. Let's keep an eye on how each of these guys are used and where on the field they're being used. Uh, and then, of course, if any injuries happen, just process of elimination, pick up the pick up the other one. Uh, for Detroit... I'm taking a look at uh, DJ Chark. Uh, I listen to a lot of Roto Underworld, and Billy Muzio and the, uh, Matt Kelly have been talking nonstop about DJ Chark. And at first, I was I was hesitant to buy in. I was like, ah, there's just I'm gonna go ahead and say it. There's too many mouths to feed in Detroit. I don't think Golf is a good enough quarterback to support five, six guys. Like it's just I mean it's 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 a numbers game, and that's just impossible. I mean, we got Swift, we got Hawk, we got Amon Ross St. Brown had a bunch of targets. Uh, we got Chark, uh, Jamison Williams when he comes back. When Jamison comes back, that's most likely going to phase Chark out. But for the time being, DJ Chark is in a very uh, fantasy-friendly spot. Um, he's only rostered right now in 47% of leagues. It's an ambiguous passing game. You can get him for absolutely nothing in drafts. You can get him off of waivers. Uh, and he has every opportunity to go ahead and capture a meaningful target share in this ascending offense. Um, he's had a breakout season in Jacksonville of all places, and he is another one of those big, freaky athletic guys. I mean, he has 97th uh, percentile speed score and a 93rd percentile uh, burst score, according to playerprofiler.com, and he's a big body. So he's big, he's fast, he's physical. He can go ahead and be... Uh, at least a faux alpha on the outside uh, running those deep routes. Jared Goff is going to have a ton of time behind a top five offensive line this season, so those big plays might be able to develop, and uh, Goff is an accurate quarterback when he decides to throw the ball downfield. He might be able to go ahead and uh, give Chark what he needs to become fantasy relevant again. I'm excited. Uh, Moving on. We're going to go ahead and go into the Green Bay Packers versus the Minnesota Vikings. Um, for Green Bay, it's the wide receiver room, and it's Romeo Dobbs in particular, which grosses me out to say because I did not like him throughout the entire offseason. I did not like him coming through uh, rookie drafts in my dynasty leagues. I was just like, there's no way they just drafted Christian Watson, who is a bigger, faster, stronger uh, version of Dobbs. And then Christian Watson goes ahead and misses the entirety of camp, knee scope, all that fun stuff. So it's like, okay, so, you know, Lazard is going to go ahead and just dominate this wide receiver core because we have the ghost of Randall Cobb and Sammy Watkins, who appears for one week every season and then disappears and goes back to to be with his lizards. Um, 
So that really opens it up. Lazard is looking like he's missing week one. He is already listed as doubtful as we come into today. Uh, and Christian Watson is looking like he's going to play, but again, coming off of knee, uh, knee scope. And he has missed the entirety of camp. There's a handful of things that don't excite me about the Green Bay Packers this season, and it's that they were dead last in pace of play per sharp football analysis. Uh, Aaron Rodgers has historically avoided rookie wide receivers of all receivers. Uh, and Dobbs is just not an exciting prospect. He uh, posted big, deep uh, route numbers for a smaller school, uh, but he only has a 60th percentile speed score, and he just doesn't have the most sure hands. So it is scary to try and trust that for your fantasy team. I am interested to see how the routes shake out, who's used uh, in the one wide receiver uh formations, who's using the two wide receiver formations. Uh, that'll be what I'm keeping an eye out for if Dobbs is able to go ahead and secure a high amount of routes run. I mean, he's, again, a very low rostered player who has monumental upside compared to other guys around him. Um, on the Vikings side, I'm looking again at the wide receiver position. I'm looking at KJ Osborne this time. Uh, even when they were doing a slower tempo, run heavy uh, offense last season. Uh, Osborne was able to carve out a 15% target share uh, behind Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson. Uh, so that's about 80. That was about 82 targets for him, which is, I mean, for a third wide receiver, there's not a lot more you can ask for. Uh, and this season, the Vikings are being talked up as a more explosive pass heavy offense, getting all of those coaches from the LA Rams really opening up the offense. So uh, I, I, I think that he, Osborne is just a, such a high upside play with a decent floor similar to Tyler Boyd where he'll be in there on three wide receiver sets every single time. He'll be commanding anywhere in that 80 target range. And if anything were to happen to uh, Justin Jefferson or Adam Thielen, who is getting up there in age, Osborne slots right, in, right into that number two slot and his upside just goes through the roof. He, he has wide receiver two upside if that happens. Um... Moving right along, I'm going to try to go a little bit quicker here as we get into the more uh, low-scoring games, but uh, Miami Dolphins versus the New England Patriots. Uh, for the Dolphins, I want to see Chase Edmonds. Uh, been super excited for Edmonds in the entire offseason. Uh, he got the big contract. He's been a guy that I've, all, I've, I've rostered in my dynasty leagues for years and years now, so I'm just excited to finally see him get that opportunity. Uh, I do want to see how he looks coming off of the, the, the groin injury that had him on the injury report. Uh, and if Mostert or Gaskin are used more than what we're expecting. Uh, on the New England side, I'm going to be looking at Devontae Parker. Uh, Parker is... Uh, <laughs> sorry about that. That is my dog uh, coming down to say what's up. But uh, Parker is uh, going to be posted up on the outside. Uh, there's been good good talks from camp about Mac Jones and his rapport. And... Uh, it does seem as if the, the Patriots are going to be favored in less games now. Uh, in this game, they're 3.5-point uh, dogs. So I do think that they will have, while they want to go run heavy and they want to grind games down, I don't think it's going to be an option for them at every uh, in every game. So in these games where they have to pass to keep up, uh, I think that Devontae Parker is going to go ahead and be a good play. Um 
he in 2019 when he finished as a top 24 wide receiver he was number five out of all wide receivers in deep targets with 28 if he can be that top 10 guy in that category again we could see useful fantasy weeks out of him as I, again as i said when the patriots are underdogs and when they're trailing uh he's only 62 percent rostered on sleepers so he should be available in in a handful of leagues uh moving on to a pretty gross game but uh the indianapolis colts versus the houston texans uh for the colts i'm looking at what wide receiver can separate themselves behind Pittman. uh it doesn't seem like this is going to be the best game to show that but it does seem like they'll be more run heavy in indianapolis so it will be more one to two wide receiver sets in those two wide receiver sets i want to see whether it's doolin whether it's campbell or whether it's pierce out there running the routes uh, all three of them are very low uh, roster ships, so uh, you can get any of them off of the waiver wire, and Matt Ryan has already shown that he can support two wide receivers uh, when he has given the pass attempts to do so. So I, I don't think that the Colts want to run Jonathan Taylor into the ground, uh, so I do think we see a little bit more pass volume for Matt Ryan as compared to Carson Wentz last season. And whichever of these three wide receivers can go ahead and kind of take that role of number two, uh, I think that's going to go ahead and be a beneficial uh, fantasy uh, wide receiver. Uh, but on the Texans side, we're looking at Rex Burkhead. Um, all the all the hype right now is rightfully resting on Damian Pierce's shoulders. He is the the rookie who came in and absolutely earned his starting position did so well that Marlon Mack didn't even make the team. They don't even need him anymore. Just go away. We don't even want to pay you. Done. Uh, so Pierce is going to be an exciting uh, running back to watch, but he is not a great pass catcher from what we've seen in his entire college career and even in the preseason. Uh, he only had the, the most targets he had in a season was 20 last year, and he did catch 19 of those. But still, 20 targets is just not a very high bar. Uh, in the preseason, we didn't see him get a single target. We didn't see him get a single catch. Um, so it's just not promising. The Texans will be playing from behind early and often in every single game this season, it seems. Uh, so I think that Rex Burkhead is going to have some sneaky value, especially in PPR leagues. Uh, so just keep an eye out if he if Burkhead is in there a lot, if he is getting those targets, routes run, Go ahead and scoop them uh, if you're, again, a running back needy team. Uh, moving right along to a somewhat better game, but not as many things to watch here, is the Baltimore Ravens versus the New York Jets. Uh, for Baltimore, what I really want to see is Rashad Bateman. Is he going to have that breakout season? I think that week one is the perfect time to set that tone. Uh, Lamar has been working on his passing. Lamar is out playing for a contract, so I think that Lamar is trying to, going to go out there and try to be an absolute superstar on the on the ground. He's going to go ahead and try and put the ball uh, accurately into his playmaker's hands. So Mark Andrews and hopefully Rashad Bateman will go ahead and just smash uh, this season. I want to see what, especially with no Dobbins and no Gus Edwards, what the passing game looks like and what the target share is that we can expect from Bateman on a weekly basis. Uh, on the New York Jets side, it is the number one rookie of, uh, of fantasy football in the offseason, Brees Hall. Uh, Joe Flacco's under center. Not a whole lot to be excited about. Uh, Elijah Moore is good. Don't know who else outside of that is going to go ahead and earn those targets. But I would love to see uh, the Jets 
go ahead and get Brees out in space, have Flacco run some screens, some swing passes, some routes run for Brees Hall so we can get him in space. Uh, because if he breaks off a, a, a monster run after monster run, the Jets aren't going to have any choice but to play him over Michael Carter. Uh, so that's kind of what I want to see is if the Jets are looking to scheme Brees into space to give him the big playability, or if they're just going to be content kind of just running a very vanilla offense, in which case it's going to be tough for Brees to go ahead and distinguish himself and climb over Michael Carter. Uh, next game we're looking at is the Cincinnati Bengals and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, on Cincinnati, there's so many big names that it's kind of hard to find an under-the-radar guy, but I think it's going to be Hayden Hurst. Uh, it's There's so much talent, again, as I said, on this offense. I mean, you got Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, both drafted, like, both potentially top 12 wide receivers in fantasy this season. Tyler Boyd is one of the best number three wide receivers on a team in the entire NFL. Uh, and Burrow is the type of quarterback that can go ahead and just spread the ball around, which could be a good thing for fantasy. It could be a bad thing. Uh, I think that Hurst, his best shot at having fantasy relevance this season is becoming a red zone target for Joey Burrow. Uh, if he can go ahead and get red zone targets, if he's in the game when the Bengals are in the red zone and he's running routes and he's getting uh, getting looks, I think that's going to be a, a positive indicator that uh, when you're streaming tight end, you can go ahead and confidently grab Hurst any given week uh, and plug him in and just hope for a touchdown as you do at the tight end uh, position. In Pittsburgh, I'm really intrigued to see... Uh, who steps up between George Pickens and Chase Claypool, uh, especially with Deontay Johnson dealing with the with the AC shoulder uh, issue. Uh, he is looking and trying to play, but as we've seen with wide receivers and the shoulder issue before, it's very difficult. It's very sensitive. So any hit, any like extended catch where he's putting his arms over his head, uh, we could see Deontay in and out of the game. And I want to see between Pickens and Claypool, who is going to step up in his absence. Uh, Pickens in the preseason has shown the absolute dog that he is, chucking defenders off the line, making crazy catches in the end zone, just garnering all of the hype, and deservedly so. He was one of the most underrated wide receivers in the NFL draft and in fantasy drafts. Uh, he's just got massive upside. But... We also don't know what this offense is going to look like under Mitch Trubisky and at some point Kenny Pickett. So I want to see who's getting the routes, who's getting the targets, if there is enough pass volume to support someone outside of Deontay Johnson and Najee Harris. Uh, moving right along, we're looking at the Denver, the Denver, the Denver Broncos and the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, for Denver, I'm looking at Melvin Gordon. The hype once again is all focused on Javante Williams. Even Melvin Gordon has said that the Broncos want him to be a guy, the guy in this offense, but it has also come out that the Broncos want to run with a hot hand approach in this backfield. And that's exactly what they were doing last season when Javante and Melvin split everything 50-50. I'm going to go ahead and be keeping an eye on that to see what the split is. Oh my God, I didn't even realize. <laughs> I didn't even check the chat. Good Lord. Denver number one. Yes, Kirkwood. Denver is number one. Uh, and to go back to your your question, Rick, uh, I would say uh, I, it depends on what you're looking for. If you kind of want a safer floor, I would lean Ramondre Stevenson. Uh, if you're looking for uh, a home run type of play, Brees Hall is going to be your guy. 
Uh, and we'll go ahead and we're getting right back to Denver now. Don't worry. Uh, but Denver, I'm looking at Melvin Gordon. Um, like I said, if they're going with the hot hand approach, it's going to be a 50-50 split again. Uh, and it's not just like 50-50, like overall, it's every single type of running back stat that you're looking at, whether it's passing game work, red zone work, or just between the 20s, they split at 50-50 last season. And I think Javante owners are going to be crying in the corner because that's coming again. Uh, coming up on the Seattle side, there is really nothing here that I care about. Um, I would like to see which running back outside of Rashad Penny is the pass catching back. Uh, and if that is going to be anything meaningful at all, uh, (laughs) Cortland Sutton going to beat Cooper cup. That is a very bold take. And, uh, did you, did you see what Cooper cup did last season or this last night? Did you see what Cooper cup did last night? It, it's not happening. I love Cortland Sutton this year, but I'm not delusional. Um, but back to Seattle, I'm going to be looking at um, which running back besides Rashad Penny is getting any use, um, especially in the passing game. And I again, I don't expect it to be anything worthwhile, but similar to the Texans, Seattle's going to be down a lot this season. They're going to have to be passing to be in games. Uh, and if one of these running backs can distinguish themselves in the passing game, that's who I'm going to go ahead and try and take a shot on if I need in a, uh, a running back. Um, moving right along, trying to get through this quickly. Good Lord, there's a lot of games. Uh, we're looking at the Tennessee Titans and the New York Giants. Uh, for the Titans, I'm looking at Traylon Burks. Uh, not much here other than the fact that uh, camp news was never good. Uh, asthma, conditioning problems, Kyle Phillips getting all of the hype. I want to see if that can be put to rest here in week one uh, as the Titans shouldn't have to throw the ball too much. But when they do, I want to see who's out there. I want to see who's running routes, what kind of routes, and if Burks can go ahead and put put all the fears to rest like Jamar Chase did last season. Uh, for New York, I'm looking at the two human joysticks that they have in Wandale Robinson and Kadarius Toney. Uh, These are two electric gadget wide receivers uh, who can do incredible things when they have the ball in their hand. I mean, they're making people miss left and right. Uh, And honestly, the wide receiver one chair is open in New York. Uh, Galladay has apparently revealed himself to be a a fake alpha wide receiver uh, propped up by Matthew Stafford. Uh, Kadarius Toney does seem to step in and he is the incumbent. But he still doesn't have too much rapport with Daniel Jones uh, between Jones's injuries last season and Tony's injuries last season, including Tony's injuries in camp that he is just now coming back from. There's just not a whole lot there. So I, I think that the wide receiver one chair is wide open between these two uh, electric wide receivers. So I'm really going to be looking at which one of them is getting the, ma- the the most targets, which one of them is being schemed into plays the most. Um and I, I think that whoever, out of the two of them, whichever one can go ahead and get that role in the offense is going to be fantasy relevant. Going on to a very disgusting game that I'm really not even going to talk about much is the Washington Commanders and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, Commanders, I just want to see who the wide receiver two is. Uh, is it going to be Curtis Samuel or is it Jahan Dotson, the rookie? Uh, I think Samuel has always kind of shown brief glimpses of uh, productivity but he's also always been hampered by hamstring, ankle, just lower body injury after lower body injury. Uh, Jahan Dotson was a first round pick this year in the NFL draft, but 
he's also not the most exciting kind of receiver. He's more of a possession type guy, so it might cap his upside, but you never know. Uh, I just want to see if uh, who that is and if they're going to be able to compliment Terry uh, McLaurin for Carson Wentz. On the Jaguars side, I got Zay Jones that I'm going to be watching. Uh, he also secretly, like quiet, very quietly, got a large contract uh, next to Christian Kirk. They brought him in for a reason. What that reason is, I really don't know. He seems like a very redundant asset with every wide receiver they have on the team. Um, but I, I do think that uh, Zay Jones is good enough to at least have fantasy viable games. He had two top 24 uh, finishes in weeks 15 and 17 last season on the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. So if he sees a bump in volume, he could uh, be in the wide receiver three conversation with some wide receiver two upside on any given week. We know the Jaguars are going to be throwing the ball all day, every day, once again. So who knows? Uh, Saints versus Falcons. Uh, going to go quick again here. Not too much that I'm really like super excited about under the radar, guys. But uh, on the New Orleans side, I'm looking at Olave. Uh, Michael Thomas is maybe back. Who knows? Uh, he's been gone for a year and a half, so who knows if he does even come back week one, what he's going to look like. Uh, and Olave is young. He's talented. Uh, some people had him as the wide receiver one in the fantasy community uh, for, out of the rookies this season. So uh, he, he's just got to com- uh, compete with an injured Thomas and the aging Jarvis Landry for targets. Uh, and Jameis is a good enough fantasy quarterback that he will chuck the ball down the field and not care and be able to prop him up as a uh, wide receiver too, potentially this season. On the Falcons side, I want to see Drake London. Uh, this team is going to be bad, but they're going to be throwing a lot because they have no defense. So while Mariota isn't a good quarterback, and while I do expect the offense to flow directly through um, Kyle Pitts once again, it's just tough. Uh, to get excited about anyone outside of Pitts. Um, we've seen Corderell Patterson kind of just take over uh, games before, and uh, it, it'll be nice to see if an addition of talent will go ahead and just keep defenses more honest and allow Pitts and London to kind of uh, feed off each other and help each other out uh, in terms of fantasy production. Uh, moving on to another disgusting game is the San Francisco 49ers versus the Chicago Bears. Uh, This one is shaping up to be an absolute bloodbath where the Bears are just going to get slaughtered. Um, But on the San Francisco side, I do want to see Brandon Ayuk and his connection with Trey Lance. Uh, It does seem that Ayuk is out of the doghouse with Shanahan, so he shouldn't be getting four weeks of just no run. Uh, He should be locked and loaded week one. And I think that Lance has uh, more of a... Uh, push the ball down the field, uh, deep ball type of game compared to Jimmy Garoppolo, where Ayuk can benefit from that. Um, I think that it will be less consistent because Lance will be sucking out uh, pass attempts with his rushing, but I also think that the big playability is going to be there even more, so Ayuk can go ahead and benefit maybe less targets, but uh, bigger and better targets. Uh, On the Chicago side, I'm looking at Khalil Herbert, Uh, There's already been talks that uh, David Montgomery does not fit the scheme that the Bears want to run with this season. Uh, And honestly, David Montgomery is the most boring running back in the NFL in terms of fantasy football. It's going to be ugly this year. It's just going to be him running into the defensive line over and over and over and over again. Um, Herbert has a little bit more juice to him. Uh, And in the games where Montgomery missed last season, where Herbert got over 15 opportunities... 
Herbert was posting 13.2 fantasy points per game, so he has proven that with a significant amount of carries and a significant amount of work, that he can go ahead and really uh, deliver solid fantasy production for you. Um, And that's all I'm going to say there. Uh, Not really too excited, but it's just something I'm keeping an eye on. Uh, Going going on down, uh, we got the Carolina Panthers and the Cleveland Browns. Uh, For Carolina, there is nobody under the radar that I'm looking for. Uh, If someone comes out and surprises me, fantastic. But there's not one one player outside of the big the big names that I care about that I think is going to be even remotely interesting for even this season. Uh, We got DJ Moore. We got Christian McCaffrey. That's it. I'm done. Um, On the Cleveland side, I am intrigued by rookie David Bell. Uh, especially with Jacoby Brissett back there. Uh, I think Brissett is going to try to keep the ball in the middle of the field. He's going to play it safe. Uh, and Bell is uh, one of those guys that kind of just operates over the middle of the field. Um, and I, I think that it it's either going to be David Bell, Njoku, or Kareem Hunt that are really going to get the the bulk of the targets from Jacoby Brissett. I think uh, Amari Cooper is, is going to be posted up on the outside, but... I just don't see anything more than like the occasional big play over the top from Cooper until Deshaun Watson uh, comes in and really opens up the offense. Um, I think since this is shaping up to be a competitive game, uh, it may be a low-scoring game because these offenses aren't very uh, explosive. But uh, I, I do think that we will go ahead and get a good feel for what the Browns' true offense is going to be and see who outside of... Uh, the running backs and Amari Cooper are going to be uh, used heavily. Uh, and that is all of the games uh, and all of the players that I'm just trying to keep an eye out for. Uh, again, I'm not making any moves off of, like I'm not doing picking any of these guys up, running out to go pick them up right away before the games even happen and, unless I have an open roster spot. Then I'll take some stabs at, at some of the higher scoring teams that I really like, like a Rashad White, um, an Enil Benjamin, guys like that. I'm willing to take a, a, a chance on and have them on my roster now. So that way, if they do produce and have a big game, that I already have them. I don't have to worry about running to the waiver wire, blowing all my fab week one. I can go ahead and just have that. Uh, but a lot of these guys are just guys to keep an eye on. A lot of teams, a lot of situations, just keep an eye on. And if you start to see them week over week start trending up and up and up, you go ahead and you you snap them up at that point, and that's how you can go ahead and beat all of your team, all of your league mates to the waiver wire. They'll be looking for the they'll be looking for Nino Benjamin. They'll be looking for um, uh, a Khalil Herbert. They'll be looking for any of these guys, and they're already going to be on your roster. So. Uh, that is all I have for this first episode of the Fantasy Kingdom show. Um, again, my name is Justin. You can find me on Twitter at jo- uh, Joens, J-O-W-E-N-S underscore F-F. Uh, you can also find me at, on TikTok there. Uh, and go ahead, if you like this uh, video, go ahead and subscribe, follow along. Uh, I'm looking to be doing another uh, show following week one on uh, looking looking like Monday or Tuesday uh, where I will follow up on uh, any of these players that or players or situations that are trending in a positive direction. Uh, if I'm thinking I'm going to go ahead and make a move in any of my leagues, uh, I will go ahead and kind of just recap that and anything new that pops up. Uh, and that is all I have. Thank you for joining.